Welcome to Blue Car Love. My name is Samuel, and my ideas outweigh all the talent I own. And my name is Aaron, and also my ideas, they outweigh all the talent that I own. <laughs> and <laughs> I knew that was going to happen. And um, we have a special guest with us tonight to help review the fan favorite, everyone's favorite Starfire album, My Island. Welcome, Stephen. Dale. <laughs> hey guys, thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. All right, so I am super excited about this album. Um, it's it's one of those albums I don't know. I didn't listen to it a whole lot before tonight. Um, I think it may have been one of the first Starfire albums I listened to way back when, but it didn't impress me at the time because I had no taste because I was like, you know, 16. <laughs> and um, it didn't resonate with me at all no. and i just kind of forgot about it i had so, a lot of taste when i was 16 that's just on you sam <laughs> blame it on the homeschooling you know oh there you go um <laughs> so on this album this was a 2006 album it had jason martin of course on vocals and guitars um josh dooley returning for his last album i believe like third and last album um, on guitars and keyboards. Um, That's we correct. had first time, but certainly not last time, bass player Stephen Dale. And then we had two drummers on this album, Trevor Monk and Troy or Trey Manny. And of those two, I believe it was Trey Manny who went on to continue recording with Starflyer. So that's a little mm-hmm. back to Lure 100. Trey played on that record? Yes, he did. Uh, you don't remember him? Yeah, no, I remember. No, I mean, I, I obviously remember Trey, but it's I'm not. I it's I in the linear notes. It's in the linear notes. For what song? <laughs> Does it say what songs? Uh, I don't know. Anyhow, what's your memories of who played on this album? Yeah, that, uh, Trevor. I remember he. I, I thought he played on the whole thing. I, I okay. didn't remember uh, Trey coming in until we did uh, Dial M. I think. But yeah, I could be wrong. That's weird. Yeah, that's really weird. I definitely remember Trevor. I though. think if I remember correctly, um, um, Trey Manley may have played on one or two songs. I think Trevor was the main drummer. Okay. So you're probably remembering it right. I could be remembering it wrong. That's you are. No, no, no. You're right. No, I'm saying you're right. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trevor was the main guy. Trey, I think, did one or two songs. Okay. Okay. <laughs> now... Before we uh, jump into the song by song, I gave my very minimal history of the album. Um, we always also usually cover album art in the front part here. This uh-huh. album art's cool. It's like a, I don't know, it's like looks like an old postcard or something. Like um, it kind of gives me um, conspiracy theory vibes. Yes. I don't know if that's what he was going for or not. Um, and that kind of carries on into the next album, Dial In. So that's kind of a cool idea. Yeah, I thought the, that artwork was super cool. I, I don't remember if, if that was Don or Ryan Clark. Do you have the liner notes? It's it Ryan Clark. It's, it's Ryan, Ryan Clark. Okay. Yeah. But uh, if I remember right, I think he, because it's kind of like, um, you know, the, uh, there's like yarn and stuff, right? I think if yes, I remember right, it he, act, it he actually created that. And it's a what? Photo. Yeah, like he actually made that. And that's a photo of the thing he made. Well, this is going to be... Are you done with your background with this album, Steve? Um, Samuel? Um, oh, go ahead, Samuel. I'm sorry. No, no, not you, Steve. 
Are you done, Samuel? Yeah, I'm all good. Give us, give us your okay. impressions of the art and your background. Okay, so this is going to be themed. This is my how I feel about everything about this album just has evolved over time. I hated this album cover. I thought it was crazy. But now that you just said what you said, Stephen, about he actually made that and took a picture of it, it's kind of changing the artwork now. I didn't know that. I'm pretty some, sure. That's how I remember it, at least. Yeah. That's some, I thought it was some computer generated thing. And I was just like, oh, that's so lame. But now that that's actually something created, Oh my gosh, I think I might have to like that album cover. <laughs> so anyway, so at this point, um, I'm a huge Starfire fan. Um, and so anything that Jason put out, um, I was getting. And I will say this, at the time, when I first got this album, I listened to it, and this is the first time I was disappointed in Starfire 59 album. And yeah, that's the first time. And I didn't really listen to this album a lot. And this is the only Starfire full-length album that's not on vinyl. And I wonder if that's because Jason doesn't like it. I don't know what that is. Maybe Stephen later you can tell us. But yeah, um, so I don't listen to this album a lot. Um, and we'll get into that. we we'll go by track by track why. But there's a couple songs and by the lyric that Sam and I both had at the beginning, which I told him, I was like, we don't, we, we use, we don't share what lyric we're going to use at the beginning. And I told uh-huh. Sam, I said, like, I think we're going to have the same lyric. And I know because that song anyway, but there's some gold on this album, but there's reasons why I don't listen to this album a lot. That's my background with this album. How about you, Steven? Uh, yeah, it was the first record I played on and, you know, Jason just kind of said, Hey, you know, you want to play on it? And I said, yeah, Absolutely. And I, I was also a fan, you know, coming in and uh, he just said, yeah, I want to make a, I want to make a faster record. I want to make a faster record with more like, you know, solid upbeat drum, drum beats and that kind of thing. And I also remember him having some concept about like, I don't want to play a lot of chords. I want to play a lot of single notes that uh, are layered on top of each other to make chords. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. And and uh and the other thing he came in like you know i want a lot of bass on the record i want a lot of bass lines i want a lot of a lot of action going on and like oh yeah sure and uh that was kind of all i knew going in and and uh it, it, it took quite a while we put a lot of work into that record but i think he was trying to from what i remember he was trying to do something different you know he was trying to do something more more upbeat and more, you know, a little more, I get hard hitting is kind of probably exaggerating, but, uh, you know, for Starfire, he's always, I trying, guess, he's always trying new stuff though. Yeah. 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 But uh, at that, you know, at that particular time, that was, you know, those, especially like track one and a lot of those, you know, they're, they're, they're a lot quicker than most Starflyer songs tempo wise. So, that was definitely his his idea going in. So that's what I remembered, you know, from the top of making that thing. Well, I think those two points you just said, more upbeat and some nice bass lines, and both are delivered nicely on this album. So if no one else has any opening comments, I think we're ready just to hop in. Everyone good? Yeah. All right. So we open up with the front man. Um, my notes for this is this is actually one of probably my favorite songs on this album. 
Um, it's a nice opener, super fast pace. I'm a pop punk kid at heart. Like some of the first music I remember like loving was like Hawk Nelson, Reliant K back when I was young. And, and so I, that has always stuck with me, that kind of punky attitude to music. Um, and I love the bass and drum work on this. Um, about 125, we had this almost ghost-like keyboard come in, um, courtesy, I'm sure, of Dooley. And I, I love I love anytime keyboard enters the conversation on Starflyer albums. I think it always kind of adds an extra layer of magic to it. So this song just opens up. It hits me. I love it. And I love the lyrics. Um, so... Jason has always had a bit of a word salad lyric. Um, he doesn't, I know that's always his secondary intention, the lyrics, but as you'll see, as I want to talk about, I think this album has a very consistent lyrical through line. And um, this seems to be the lyrics in this particular song, the frontman seem to be mocking the esteem and the, um, the kind of glory we give to frontmen of rock band bands when they're just normal people. And I love that because that applies to himself. He's mocking himself for being a frontman, saying, hey, they're just normal people. Calm down. And I think that's just a perfect opener for the themes that's going to continue throughout this album. So, Stephen, tell me what you think of the frontman. Uh, for Starflyer, it's fast right that that was initially i remember that being surprising i, I don't remember the tempo of course but th this is probably the fastest song starflyer's ever done i think that's possible um i think it's a good possibility yeah yeah um lyric wise knowing jason he i think he's also like you said poking fun at himself and kind of highlighting what he's you know what he perceives as the ridiculousness of him as a person being the front man of a band, you know, like it, it's, it's definitely a little tongue in cheek too, you know, like he, he's always, um, you know, pointing out obvious ironies when they, when they're, uh, when they involve himself. So I, I think that's also kind of the, the idea behind this one, but uh, this also, if I remember right, was one of my favorite tracks on the record. I thought, you know, pretty obvious opener when we when we were making the record, we kind of knew that was uh, track one. You know, with the with the idea going in to make a faster record, that seemed like a uh, an obvious obvious choice. Aaron, what do you got for us? Well, it's funny you just mentioned um, it being fast. Um, there is this album's like 33 minutes and 37 seconds that might be the shortest starfire foolings maybe i don't know but that seemed maybe silver i don't shorter. know Portuguese blues may have been shorter yeah but it's still that's pretty fast and so like you're saying steven he wanted to be fast it is fast um <laughs> very fast and for me like i agree with the tongue-in-cheek stuff so just briefly i don't want to re-harp on that but um the last um lines in the last verse what made you think you're one of them who's going to make it i don't wonder if J this is jason reflecting we've talked about this probably at now at nauseum at this point did jason want to be a star or did he just want to make music either uh, way yeah and so these lyrics i think he's 
just reading into it, yeah, I don't know him. I obviously never met him, but it's just like him accepting again, he's not going to be a star. Why'd you think that? And so, yeah, and so I agree with what, what you guys said about the um, the lyrics and that. Um, but um, also the very beginning, that sound, I don't know if y'all are familiar with the, the producer Danger Mouse. He's worked with like a lot of famous um, artists lately, Rat Chili Peppers and some other people. Um, but it sounds very reminiscent of that. I'm just like, wow, Jason, you stole Danger Danger Mouse <laughs> might have stole this from because it sounds just very like it. And it, it and it goes throughout, and I like it. Um, I love the tambourine in the background mix. Um, this is a great banger to start the album off. Um, there's a little <laughs> surf guitar near the end of the song. Um, and then there's like a um, sound in the background. Do you know you remember what that was, um, Steven? If not, it's fine. Um, probably a keyboard, but I don't remember offhand. I, I might, I might okay. remember if I if I heard it. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, but yeah, so yeah, that's that's all I gotta say about Frontman. It's a it's a it's a good start um, to the album. Um, I saw three stars. <coughs> Very nice. All right, so Stephen, give us your thoughts on Nice Guy, and then Aaron, you follow it up. Oh, nice guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, that um, that that baseline goes, you know, as you you've heard, it goes throughout that whole song, and it's and it's pretty. Not that it's so difficult to play, but I remember tracking that song, and we had a heck of a time getting that bass right. I think I tracked that song like four or five different times. Because this was also pre, you know, we didn't like edit the drums really. And so he's moving and, you know, slowing down a little and speeding up. So like locking in that baseline was a ton of work. But, and I'll give Jason props on that. He wrote that baseline. And he, uh, I thought that that line is rad. Like I, I've always really liked that tune because it, uh, quite a different feel for Starflyer too, for sure. But, uh, I don't know. I, I thought that, it really has a uh, a really cool overall vibe and stuff. Probably one of my favorites on on that particular record. All right, Aaron. All right, let's see. Love the standstill breakdowns. The where it just stops. Sounds like this song also could be on the Dalima album, which was mentioned. Um, I love the Ronnie S. synth on the keyboard. Do you know if it's keyboard or synth that was on this? On um, Steven? Yeah, they were, they were some form of synth. I, I'm not sure what he used. I, okay. I don't, I doubt I was part of that part of the process. I bet he was just doing that by himself. But okay. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what he was using at that time, but some kind of synth, synth package yeah. type deal. But yeah, I love it. It's, it has a very dark feel, which is a prevailing theme <laughs> on this album, um, which I'll probably mention again. But um, I think the the solo that Jason does here, is that the longest of his career? That's a long solo, right? That's probably the longest of his career. <laughs> probably. It yeah. is. It's like at least like two minutes long. It's long. And I love it. And I wish we'd have more of it. But yeah, this is I love this song. Three and a half stars. What do you think, Sammy? Um, 
my first thought on this is I've never quite heard a such a dramatic slash dynamic opening. Um, <laughs> like this song just feels way more dramatic than like I would say old is Starfire's most dramatic album, mainly courtesy of Richard Swift's influence. But this feels like it tops even that. And then we have this, like Aaron called out, around a minute and 20 seconds, there's this just stop. And then it just picks up again. And I love it. It just feels uh, very dramatic for Jason. Um, his music is always dramatic, but this is like a different, like this is almost like theater kid level. And we'll talk about some other songs on here that kind of hit that vibe. And then Dale, I got to give you credit. I'm I'm glad, um, I'm happy to hear that Jason wrote that bass line but you pulled it off. Um, that baseline is makes this song. Um, and I kind of wrote that every all the other instruments seem to just dance around the baseline. Like the baseline takes front and center. And that's once again very uncharacteristic for a Starflyer song. Yeah, that, so. was, that was definitely an intentional thing on his part. One side note about that, that, uh, that intro. <laughs> he, Jason was really on the fence about that. He, he almost wanted to just to nix it. And I remember at the time he was like, he was referring to it as Schindler's List. <laughs> That's a, awesome. A theatrical, uh, you know, like. Why? 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 Movie. Why Schindler's List? Why? Just because it sounds like a dramatic theatrical <laughs> piece. And I just remember, you know, jokingly calling it that. And like, I don't know, man. I don't know if I want to do that. I'm like, I don't know. I think it's cool. I think go with it. So, yeah, I remember clearly he was really on the fence about that intro, but he, he ended up going with it. Okay, now I just want to imagine that this song was actually named Schindler's List, and that lasted all the <laughs> way to the album. That would have been amazing. <laughs> yeah, that was... Uh, and he was and he was a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the other thing about this song, and the only thing that drags this song down for me. And the lyrics seem to be about nice guys always finishing last. Now, if it would have been named Schindler's List, that puts a different context, <laughs> you know? And I kind of like that better. Um, but just in the um, the conversation of, well, nice guys always finish last in just pop culture, that has the potential for a whole entire different conversation. It was an even different conversation in our internet culture as opposed to 2005. And I really don't want to get all into it, but um, that's about the only thing that sort of drags it down for me. Otherwise, I love this song. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. So um, I win. Me and Aaron actually talked about this song extensively in our previous episode because we had the I win EP. Um, it's still a banger of a we song. We did, we did, we did, we did. <laughs> this song might be one of the best on the albums, at least. So, since we already talked about Ad Nauseam, Stephen, um, tell us about I Win, because this was obviously um, a pseudo-single. It had a music video, and I think it's a fan favorite from this album in general. Yeah, I would say it's... I think it's the, the strongest track on the record. I would agree with you there. Um yeah, I think it's a really solid song. Um, trying to think of any anecdotes from when we did that one. Oh, I, I don't know if it's a harpsichord or what. That keyboard hook I think is really cool in that song. And um, also that one was 
that was that was some work locking the base into that one too. There's a lot going on in that one as well. Um, and then the the video that was I uh, I remember back then finding it hilarious. He just told Tooth and Nail like I, I'm I'm not appearing in a video. <laughs> like I, I don't I don't want to do it. Like I I, 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 I love that like Steven, video. Stephen, what? Yeah. Okay. We talked about that in the I Win EP. Can you? Whatever you can remember about, about how the video came about, Jason, please share all the details. Yeah, Go. so I, <laughs> whoever was the A&R back then, he, he said, no, we're going to do a video. And he was just like, I, I feel silly doing that. I don't want to, I don't want to put my face on a video. Like, I, I'm, I'm not doing it. Like, and I think it might have been Martin's idea, like, just get a bunch of young, good looking kids. And just have them have them perform it. Like I think it'd be kind of kind of funny and ironic. And, <laughs> and, 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 you know, because he was like, oh, maybe, maybe. at this point in time, like Tooth and Nail was kind of a they were kind of a juggernaut at that time. Like they had some big stuff going on. They had changed from the early days, and um, so he would be funny if like there was some new young folks that heard Starflyer before and that's the first thing that it, that they're introduced to. He thought it was he thought it'd be hilarious that they think that that's really the band that, that it looks like that guy with the shaggy haircut or whatever and the girl playing keyboards and stuff. So it it was yeah, it, it's kind of a little bit of a, you know, kind of a fun, in a funny way a middle finger like yeah, I'm not I'm not doing that whole thing. Like it, that's not me. So I remember thinking it was pretty funny at the time. And, and then well, kind of like confused and upset a few fans too. <laughs> like, what the, what the hell is this? You know. Well, I love that music video even more because taking it in the context of the album, this whole entire album is kind of mocking the the rock star lifestyle to a degree. So, just taking these stereotypical hipster looking kids and throwing them in your video that the actual players refuse to show up in is hilarious and just totally pokes fun at the culture that just they would almost rather have the good looking kids than actual artistic music yeah exactly and and that, and that was really going on at that time too like that was really like his you know band image and all that stuff like that that was real big then and so he was just like ah, i'm not doing that <laughs> get a bunch of young kids to do it so very nice i love it all right I so we're gonna... <laughs> it's great mm. all right moving right along to number four division um once again a kind of ominous beginning <laughs> um i don't know the the intros were feeling very dramatic in this album i love it this song is more classic starfire though it's slow and moody um and it kind of has a theme of leaving a bad situation behind um which is highly relatable like you know this bad situations could be a toxic relationship it could be a self-destructive rock star career it could be insert blank a bad job anything um, and I think that's just highly relatable. And two other things worth noting on this song in general, but as the album as a whole, this song gives me big brothers Martin vibes for whatever reason. Yes. 
I was listening to Brothers Martin album and this one, I was like, oh wait, that kind of sounds like each other. And they were all recorded like this Neon Horse Brothers Martin was all in a very similar time frame, I think. Um, and I appreciate some of the uh, interesting guitar tones here. Um, Jason's always been a uh, guitar pedal aficionado, as far as I can tell, because. But the, the guitar tones were really standing out to me here, especially as I've gotten more into guitar pedals in recent years. So good stuff. Um, Aaron, why don't you give it to us? The, the sonic landscape that Jason's been in, in company, Stephen and everyone else, um, at this point, it continues. You're right. It's a very moody album. Um and this continues with the song. It's um, the organ sounds are ominous and spooky. Uh, it's so good. It's like, and I agree with your lyrical interpretation, Sam. Um, but yeah, it's a I'm front man. is kind of like poppy and pulls you in. Nice guys like, okay, guys, we talking about some stuff. And then division's like, whoa, we in it now, <laughs> you know. <laughs> What are your thoughts, um, Stephen, on this song? Yeah, as as more of a quote unquote like filler track, you know, in the sense that it's not you know a single or a, you know it's it's buried a little bit in there. I, it was always one of my favorite tunes because probably like you like I always gravitated towards more dark kind of Starflyer stuff personally, and um, and like I, I know also like the context of what he's singing about. I, I, I can't really go into it. It's nothing that, that interesting or dramatic, but I just having that insight and stuff, I always kind of like that song lyrically as well. So it's uh, darker and dramatic and a little more of your classic thing. And I think you guys are right too, that it, it kind of encapsulates that, that, small era of martin yeah like the brothers martin and a little bit of the neon horse type of minor key type stuff and, and those keyboard sounds and uh i think he, i think that's the song he's doing those like the, the guitar swells right they're coming in and out yeah i, I, I just i think right. that yeah yeah and it's yeah, it's somewhere cool. between whatever he's using at whatever pedal he's using to kind of um sort of like pick up the sound and then swelling it just makes it sound really cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I think that's a solid track. All right, moving right along here. We're just speeding along. This is a short album anyways. Yeah, um, yeah. Steven, I'll take, I'll take, okay, oh, go for it. Well, I, I, okay, so with all due respect, okay, so like I've said in previous episodes, like, like with certain artists, like, um, that are really great, like Prince, Star 559. There's certain bands and musicians where there's like maybe three bad songs. And so they're really competing with themselves. And so when you rate stuff, it's like, are you comparing them to the the field of other artists? Or are you comparing them to the discography of this particular artist? And so I decided to do it with the particular artist. Um, because if not, it would just sound super... Um, I don't know. <laughs> Indulgent. So compared to um the rest of the Starfire input, with all due respect, Stephen, love you, but Mike the Mike is probably my at this point 
in the Starfire discography, my least least favorite song. Um, <laughs> it's the the beginning. The dent 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 is like very Franz Ferdinand White Stripes type sounds, and that's just not my aesthetic. I don't like that type of music, but. It worked, I, and this song is not terrible. Like, like when those other bands in that ilk do that, I just like want to skip. But you know, here I'm like, it's Jason. I can, I can get through it. Um, this is a mess song to me, and it, yeah, like I said, this is my least favorite Starfire on this album. It's my least favorite Starfire song, and at this point in this biography, it's my least favorite song to this point. And Sam talks about. Jason doing trilogies and how he, I don't know if it's conscious or unconscious, but he seems to work in trilogies. And these next three songs I call the inferior 59 trilogy. So there's nothing special about this song. Sorry. Love you, Steve. Who's next? <laughs> I, I, I can actually see these next three songs as a trilogy. So I'm glad you brought that up, but um, Steve, why don't you uh, redeem the song a little bit before I wrap it up? <laughs> redeem it. Um, it was never my favorite either. It, it, it oh was, no! It was, it was something different. You know, he was he was he was kind of going into you know some different territory there. And, you know, we we had fun doing it, and he was. I mean, you have to understand, like we were all so kind of laughing, making that song. Like I think he was referring to it as like a a uh a beer commercial song that that if i remember right it was it sounded like a song that would be in a coors light commercial or something it you know totally like, like a beer commercial song it really yeah, is like you know <laughs> images of people barbecuing and having fun and you know water skiing and stuff <laughs> like he he doesn't take himself all that seriously so like it was a, you know, it was a little bit of a risk doing some of those things, but at the same time, you know, he, what well, he liked it and you know thought it was kind of cool and went with it. But I, I agree, it definitely, it, it stands out as compared to definitely the rest of the catalog for sure, and uh, and even even in the context of the record, it, it stands out as a, as kind of an odd, odd bird, different thing. So. Yeah, not also not one of my favorites either, but <coughs> yeah, I didn't really redeem. Thank you, Stephen. Thank Sorry, you. David. I love you. <laughs> uh, see, now I feel I feel the obligation to be like the defender of this song. Um, but really, I didn't write a lot about the music. I said it's some Portuguese blues riffs. That's the song. It's uh, kind of picking up off of what Portuguese blues did a couple albums ago. And I was like, I love like White Stripes. I was just listening to them today. So that is my aesthetic. It hits me pretty good Bless most of the time. Bless your heart, Sam. Bless your heart. <laughs> I like White Stripes and Meg White's amazing drummer. Bite me. So <laughs> um, this, the, the, it was hitting me pretty good. And the lyrics, I feel like kind of feed in to this kind of album about how being a rock star is so fake um in this context talking about just making your own mistakes and getting you're making um and you're gonna let people down you're gonna let people down your own mistakes are gonna get in the way of your own relationships 
And this can obviously apply from person to person, right? We're all going to let each other down because we're humans and humans have a tendency to mess crap up. But beyond that, especially uh, musical artists, they're going to let their fans down. They're, you know, we tend to put them on pedestals, especially um, Christian music had this weird mentality in the 90s and 2000s of putting people like on these huge pedestals just so they can watch them fall every time. And I'm probably thinking about these lyrics more than Jason did, but that's kind of <laughs> how I read all into it. You know, it, I, but I that's you the, make a, you make a, Oh, I was going to say you make a good point about, you know, letting fans down, you know, also in the sense of trying new things like that, like that song, right? There, you, there's going to be fans that like, that are going to hate it, but does that mean you're never going to try something different, you know? So I think that's one of those songs that, um, you know, maybe a lot of the core fans were not that into or whatever, but, you know, he was doing right by himself by trying out some new stuff, you know? And I'm not saying I hate it. There's no terrible Starfire 59 song. I'm just saying in relation to the rest of the catalog, if there was a live show, I would prefer other ones. But if this came on, I'm like not gonna like revolt. I mean, there's other band I mean, like of artists. There, like Radiohead, I love it. Like Camera Police, and it's terrible. But I don't think there's like one Starfire song there that I would like. Okay, I need a pee break if I'm at a show. Like even this song, Mike the Mike, isn't great. But I'm not gonna like go to the bathroom. I, I listen to it, but it's just not yeah. my favorite. <laughs> Understandable. Mm. Mm. All right, so next up in the Inferior 59 trilogy, we have It's All Right, Blondie. Who wants to take this first? I can go ahead and go first on this one. Okay. Um, on this one, I'm appreciating the simple yet catchy guitar. Um, it's like, and I, I like that you said earlier, Stephen, that he was specifically trying to not play as many chords. Because yeah. I feel like in this song in particular, it's kind of like this plucking sound throughout the whole entire song and i like it a lot um i don't know if the title is referencing the band blondie in any way but i totally get kind of blondie vibes from the song which is kind of cool for that 70s 80s underground rock thing um lyrics here i'm at a loss um I think it's kind of about the myth of a perfect day. And once again, feeding into my overall theory on this album, which I'll get to at the end. Um, I think, you know, the myth of the rock star, the myth of the perfect life, it doesn't exist. And it's all just going to fall down eventually. So that's my really straightforward, simple thoughts on this. I think I'll go next. Right. Oh, oh, go okay, go, go Stephen. Go Stephen. No, no, you oh, go Stephen. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm fairly certain that it is a reference to the band Blondie because that, you know, kind of a clear <clears throat> kind of you can draw parallels between the the sonic kind of value of that song and by like, the simplicity of it and stuff. I I always liked that song. It it, it it's kind of how do I word it like. It's a little bit of a of a gimmicky tune within the, within the context of the record, you know, and and, and kind of on purpose, you know, it's very repetitive and really simple. And it just relies on that kind of groove and and that downbeat and the bass bass parts pretty repetitive, if I remember. Lyrically, I couldn't 
I couldn't speak to any of that. I, I, I don't even really remember what the lyrics are, except for something I never sleep or something like that. Yeah, yep, right. that's the chorus. Yeah, yeah that's the chorus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I, I thought, you know, in the context of that record, I think it's a pretty cool middle track, you know, that's interesting and different, but at the same time, not overly ambitious. It was, it was, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think solid, but, you know, not not changing the world for sure. Yeah, and I think um, I call this Air, so once again, Air mentioned trilogies, um, and I feel like he, Jason had just left kind of the experimental trilogy of old Portuguese blues and talking voice versus singing voice, which all had extremely different styles. Mm-hmm. I feel like this album and the next couple are more of the indie rock trilogy is what I call them. And this song is like a perfect ex- um, example of that kind of indie alt rock influence, and especially if it's a reference to Blondie wholesale for sure. So yeah, yeah, and yeah, you're right. And there's like songs like um, "Nice Guy" that are could be on like Dial M and some other ones I can't think of right now. I don't know if I mentioned that before, but yeah, you're right. And so this is an album that is like showing his hand what's coming next but um it's all right blondie um yeah um i never got the blondie vibes that you guys were talking about um, but that makes sense though and then like on the lyrics i can't make i can't seem to make it through because i try all the time it's gonna be the night i think it's it's just another night and again i don't know I'm not going to claim to speak for Jason, but yeah, Blondie, obviously big star. And so Jason's obviously tried so many different styles, just like Blondie helped create hip hop, you know? Yeah. And, um, so it's like, he's like, maybe he's thinking I'm, I'm trying all this just like Blondie. And then maybe he's saying, it's all right, Blondie. Like, it's all right. I'm not going to be Blondie. Like his resignation, like I'm not going to be that level. I don't know if that's him, but that's what I get from the lyrics. Anyway, I love the shaker and the synth and the robot sounds that are in the background in the mix. Um, but to me, it's not this not a super special. And this this song is like the weird Starfire song to me because I don't hate it, but I don't love it. But I love it a lot and don't hate it a lot. It's like <laughs> I don't know what to do with this song. It's like. It's nothing to love about. It's nothing to hate. It's like, oh gosh. So it's just, I don't know. It's better than Mike the Mike, though. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I got to say about this. Sam, what we got next? All right, Steven, tell us your thoughts on the title track. Only the third title track, I think, in Starflyer's history My Island. My Island. It's It's an odd tune. It has it has some some really different you know chord changes uh, for what he typically does. Um, the I know the concept for sure is he's you know the whole idea of my island is his at that time his the bedroom upstairs <clears throat> excuse me that his uh, recording gear was in and his you know his guitars and drum kit and all that. Uh, that's that's what he's referring to that's his, that's his island where he goes and does his thing and you know escapes everything and so that that's that's kind of the concept lyrically behind it um the song itself 
interesting that's the title track you know it i i remember feeling like that that tune was just kind of like i like i like it i still like it but um just kind of an odd bird like like there's there's changes chord wise that i don't think he's really done since and and it's also a really upbeat song as well but it's if nothing else i'd say it's a really interesting song like there's a lot going on and a lot of changes and a lot of interesting layering going on. So I have a history of loving ti- the title tracks of Starflyer. Um, one of my favorite songs off of um, the Fashion Focus is the title track, Fashion Focus. I love old more so than most people, the title track. Bless your heart. <laughs> so... <laughs> This song I was listening to, I, I wasn't even paying attention to the title track, that to the titles. I was just letting the songs roll. And I'm listening to this song. I'm like, I think this is the first out song on the album that's really stood out to me. Like, I like this song. And it made me kind of go back and reevaluate the songs that came before it. Um, I don't know why, but it just it, it stuck out to me. And it's one of my favorites. Um, I have like three or four songs I really love on this album. Um and this is one of them. So I'm definitely getting uh, big Daniel Amos vibes on this. Oddly, that would make that would make sense. And yeah, he's a huge. You're right. Fan, yeah, so. yeah. I hear that. I never heard that until you just said that. Now, yeah. So especially on the chorus, it just it hits yeah. me as Terry Taylor yeah. and uh, yeah. this is his backup singer all the time. I can't think of his name now. Chamberlain, Jerry Chamberlain. Jerry Chamberlain, just their vocal harmony. That's what the chorus hits me on. Um, and wow. I love the break. <laughs> I just tie in something <laughs> new. Um, I love the breakdown around a minute and 30 seconds. There's just this really cool breakdown of the music, which once again, kind of that dramatic thing that's been happening all throughout this album. Um, and the lyrics, while I definitely appreciate what you're talking about, Stephen, of the lyrics are his his island's kind of his escape into his studio and stuff, I also got the vibe because so much of Jason's music, why I relate to it so hard, is it's about that that grind of the blue collar life and how it never ends. And the way I took these lyrics is sometimes it feels like that working day in and day out. It's just like being on a stranded on a desert island and you have no hope in sight. And I feel like that sometimes when I'm working, you know, Um, I don't know. Maybe we weren't meant to work 40 hours a week and it's just a a thing of capitalism. Who knows? We weren't. You're right. We weren't. uh, (laughs) Absolutely. So I feel like (laughs) these lyrics play into that and I relate to them really hard. All right. You done, Sam? I am all done. Okay. You're all done wrong. <laughs> I'm just playing. Well, kind of, because of what you said about this song. All right, so this is the third song in the Inferior 59 trilogy. Um, I love the bass line in this song. Good job, Stephen. Thank you. Um, that the bongos um, make this song... Sound not sound like a B side or a throwaway. Um, the bass line and the bongo, whatever that bongo sound is in there. Um, I can't really get into the lyrics, and I hear what you're saying, Sam. I get it, but 
yeah, this song's nothing special to me. Um, I'm glad it's only two minutes and 58 seconds. And, oh, yeah, I don't know if we, did we mention this? This is the only, yeah, we did. The only Starfire 59 album, not on vinyl. And I wonder why. But maybe it's because, and I'm with you, Stephen. Why was this album called My Island? Why not Frontman, Nice Guy, Ideas for the Talented? There's so many other options because, yeah, this song is I have a theory on this, but I'll give it at the end. Okay. So, yeah. So that's all I'm going to say about this song. All so, right. Pearl of so, Great Price. Aaron, I, I want to end this one. So, Aaron and Steven, okay. lead us off. I'll lead Steven. No, right. no, you're the guest. No, you go, Steven. You, you're the guest. Go. Um, I, I think this track is pretty cool. I, I really like the, uh, you know, again, it's it's in the, the the minor key thing that I gravitate towards. And did you guys ever hear the the remix of that song? Um, it's on of, the Ghosts of Future. Yeah, of course we have Stephen. Of course, I yes. <laughs> I actually thought that remix was pretty cool. I I I, I thought that was pretty well done. But uh, I do, but I like the original better. But we'll, we'll, oh, we, sure. we're going to review that. We're going to review that later. But I'm sorry, guys. Go ahead, Stephen. <laughs> well, when when is a remix ever better than the original? That 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 rarely happens. But uh, but it does. Yeah. Um, I don't I you have to forgive me. This song, if I remember right, it there's quite a lot of parts in it and it 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 seemed to me like a really well thought out song structure and uh clearly, you know, Jason can do really well with the best of them, you know, a two, three chord song that's super simple and really like verse chorus, verse chorus. And he, sometimes he won't even have a bridge. You know, he, he's typically really into simple structures and like um, not not overdoing a lot of stuff. Um, this this song in particular for Martin, I think, had a lot of structural thought put into it, and there's a lot of stuff coming in and coming out. And uh, I appreciate that song for for those reasons. All right, Aaron. All right. Oh, I got a lot about this. So we're done with the trilogy, the Inferior 59 trilogy. And um, I love the line. Um, my voice is filled with trigger. My voice is filled with trickery. If you listen, co- please listen closely because I want to see. And that is such a great line by Jason. It's just like he's saying, you know, it's just it's just poetically beautiful. Like, you know, my voice is full of trickery, but listen to me, I'm not going to trick you. And it's just like such a clever, because, you know, most, a lot of Starfire lyrics are very cryptic or obtuse or whatever. And just to have a poetic lyric like that, um, it's really good. And then the other one, um, the pearl of my price is I need admission. So the pearl of great price, I'm not sure if most of the listeners know that's the Mormon book. And so the Pearl of Great Price, the Pearl being salvation, being accepted into, you know, with God. And so the Pearl of Great Price is salvation. So it's, and but he he flips him on the head and says, the pearl of my price is I need a mission. So he's saying, I've gotten salvation. I've gotten love. I've gotten family. I got all this stuff, but I still need something. I'm just like, and again. Not sure what Jason meant, but when I hear that, I'm just like, yeah, 
you're saved, you have family, you have all these things. And how many people who are successful have family members? All you know, Stephen, Sam, me and you, we're you know, we have loved ones. We're not like homeless, but we're still lacking something, right? Sure. And yeah, and so when I hear this, the, that that line, the pearl of my price is I need a mission. Yes, I got the pearl, but I still need something else. I'm just like, oh, Jason, this is what I'm talking about. Like he, like and Terry Taylor, and Terry Taylor talked about this too when we interviewed Terry Taylor. Like Jason has the ability when he's not being cryptic to say so much and like so little words, and we'll talk about it in another song later too in this um, episode, um, but. Right there, I'm just like, gosh, that's so much right there. I'm like, God, that's just like, yeah, I got, like, why I have all this? Why am I still suffering? Because you know, you know, that's the human condition, man. Oh, whatever, I'm gonna stop now. I could go on forever. All right, so that's the lyrics. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love this song. It's amazing. Um, the music's great. The the bass line, the drums. Amazing. Love this song. <laughs> Someone else go now. <laughs> All right. Okay. I already liked these lyrics, but now you got me liking them even more, Aaron, because the, the cool thing about the Pearl Great Price is um, I relate it more to, you know, a parable of Jesus. He talks specifically about a, a you find a Pearl Great Price in a field. You sell everything you have so you can buy this field so you can get that Pearl. That Pearl being generally salvation in within that parable and he's saying i already have salvation like you said but now i'm looking for a field to buy i'm looking for something that's worth selling everything i have to obtain because i'm already i'm good i have everything i need so give me something that's worth buying and that is such a cool idea um I I put in my notes, this is the most directly Christian song on this album, calling to mind that parable. Um, But also... Amen. Agree. But also, I like another idea he puts in here. And, you know, um, he talks about needing a mission, needing something worth selling everything for. He specifically calls out good deeds themselves or good choices themselves are a parole great price. So it could be he's saying our mission, especially as artists, musicians, shouldn't just be that we want to go out and conquer the world because ultimately that's nothing. But we should just make good choices and do the best we can for ourselves and for other people. And that in itself is a worthy mission of selling all we have for. Preach, 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 <laughs> preach. And I know where you're going later with this whole album. And I'm going to talk about it too. But exactly. This is a very important song on this. But yeah. <clears throat> yeah. This, this album, this song is one of my favorites. Um, I love this song. Um, I'm getting some neon horse vibes. So, Stephen, you already said it, those minor key vibes. And I have mentioned this ad nauseum in this podcast. Those guitars are all Danny Elfman goth. And I love it. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, it just, I, I reference Danny Elfman so much in relation to Starfire 59. And no one, everyone's like, and what I are you talking Prince. about? That's crazy. But 
I'm like, yeah, he's Danny Elfman. I'm Prince. I hear it every time. No, so you're not I off base song. there. You're not off base there. You know, I, I, I think that's definitely fair. So I love this song. It's amazing. It's a great song. And kind of, and I also love, we had a conversation with Ronnie when we were talking about um, the Brothers Martin album, how tracks like seven and eight tend to be the, the no man's land. And uh-huh. it's not the case here. Eight is one of the best dang songs on the album, and I love it. It is, but seven ain't. <laughs> what do you think, Steven? What do you think about um, Pearl of Great Price? I, I say he, he actually started us out with this. We just oh, he did. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> I got excited about this song. Sorry. <laughs> it's such a good song. Mm. All right, so Stephen, we haven't heard from you a minute. Me and Aaron have been taking up all the air. Tell us about yes. Lifeguard. <laughs> Lifeguard. Yeah, I think that's kind of the the sister song to Frontman musically. It's kind of to me, kind of is in that same that same wheelhouse. Um, You're right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, and I that one. I, I I'm having I can hear the chorus in my head, but I haven't heard that song in so many years that I don't have a ton to offer. Except it was it was clear it was the the kind of companion to front man and kind of also you know on the upper end of the uh, tempo wise uh, lyrically I I couldn't I couldn't speculate honestly on that one uh, I. Could I can say I remember that one not being Martin's favorite song, at least at the time that we recorded it. He, he, the he course is in my, mo- in my moments of crisis. Could I get some release? Could I get a new license where I only dreamed? Does that help? Yes, no, I, yeah, I do remember. Okay. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I do. I, vaguely, I remember him not being that psyched on the song and kind of like you guys joked about, like that track eight track nine kind of kind of purposely sticking it in there (laughs) like you know for lack of a better term burying that song a little bit but i think it's a solid album track i think it's a solid album track within the context of uh of that record for sure that's that's about all i can give you i'm sorry i'm a little little unfamiliar with that tune at this particular point no stress. It's that track nine. Like you said, it, it gets buried in there a little bit. Um, but I think on this track, like you said, the music keeps up with that indie alt rock of the entire album. Um, it's not doing anything excessively interesting itself. It's just being the tempo of the song, the progression of it, the instruments used, it's just all in the service of the song itself, which is an interesting idea that sometimes a song doesn't have to stand up. It doesn't have to make any grand slams. Sometimes your song just has to get you to first base. And that's what this one is doing. It's it's lining up the grand slam, if you will. Um, it's not trying too hard. It's just carrying you through the album and i think that's okay i think this is one of those deep cuts that really only works within the album um especially the lyrics the lyrics repeat the themes of hey the the front man of your band your favorite rock star here they're no hero they're not a savior 
they're just a guy. Calm down. You know, and I'm sure Jason was thinking of himself. Like, I'm not no great savant or poet. I'm just a guy who drives trucks. <laughs> and um, <laughs> this, album, this song just feeds into that. Aaron. Well, I, I'm going to call this song Lifeguard 59 because Ronnie had Lifeguard 20 on the Melody album. <laughs> so I think this is Jason's second best vocal performance on this album, actually. Husky and stress sounding. At a minute 19 to a minute 31, we get a classic Jason solo. Um, it's super dope. Um, the lyrics to me talks about how in relationships, partners often process and react to stress differently, which causes friction. And so in that song, it sounds like, you know, it sounds like he's, you know, trying to tell to his um, say, and I'm, not, I'm not saying it's autobiographical or whatever, but who knows the inspiration of the song, um, except Jason. But it happens sometimes, like in relationships, some, some people like to deal with conflict and some people need some time to deal with it. And when a person who wants to deal with it right away and a person wants to, like, you know, process it and not deal with it, that can cause some conflict. And to me, um, I mean, that's an interesting idea, you know, as a therapist, like, and I, and I really appreciate that. But yeah, it's a good song. I mean, it's not forgettable. It's definitely better than the um, inferior 59 songs. But yeah, I mean, I like this song. It's decent. Okay, Which I'm going to give a note on your inferior 59. See, when you first said that, I thought you were referring to the fact that all the songs are kind of poking fun at themselves. Mm-mm. So uh, I don't like all your negativity, sir. I don't like I'm it. Just, look, okay, <laughs> you guys. I'm sorry, Stephen. Hold on. You guys. I told you when we started this podcast throughout times. I said there's going to be a point where we get to an album or so where I like. There's some albums I just sound ridiculously over the top, slurping Jason like he's Jesus walking on water. But there's going to come some times when I'm going to take him to task and just say it ain't good. And some in those three songs are we're here now. So I'm just delivering on what I promised. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's wrap this out. <laughs> yeah. Let's end this on a high note. Yes, I think we're all gonna love this song. Who wants to go first? You guys started off, man. I'll go. I, I love, Is I that love cool saying? your interpretation. Okay, I'm gonna go. Because I love this song. This okay, so we we did the I win um EP. Um, a couple weeks or months ago, and I said that I win with the best song on this album, and I totally, I'm sorry. So this these last two weeks, I've been listening to this album more, and yes, I totally forgot that Ideas for the Talented is definitely the best song of this album. Duh. <laughs> Jason saved the best for last. Um, my favorite Starfire lyric, well, at this point, there's going to be one later, but at this point, my ideas they outweigh all the talent that I own. And Sam and I both use that at our intro because it is such a good lyric. And I write, I do a lot of things um, creatively and I have a lot of ideas. And and, and, I, and I started on these things and I just think a lot of times like, I don't have the talent for that. And I just give up. <laughs> and I wonder if Jason does that too. And it's just like, that just hit me so hard. I'm just like, because you can have ideas, but not everybody has the talent for it. I'm just like, geez, this is such a brilliant freaking lyric. The music is so upbeat and almost um celebrant. 
especially at the outro with the background vocals, which are dope. Um, we don't have a lot of background vocals on this album, which Starfire is great with that. And now, no hand claps either. I just thought about that. No hand claps. Um, and the, the drumming on this and the bass is the best on this album. Um, I can I can't and do listen to the song on, on repeat. This song alone is worth the price of this album. It's it's amazing. I it's I probably say my it's in my top. I don't want to say five, but definitely my top ten favorite Starfire songs of all time. And it's amazing that on this album that has three duds of songs that Jason with Nice Guy, I Win, and Ideas for the Talented. This could have been like the most amazing EP with another like B-Sides thing or something. And then I count it today because I'm just such a nerd. Did you know in Ideas for the Talented, there's only 23 different words. I'm not saying only 23 words, but because the course repeats, but there's only 23 different words in the whole song. And he made a masterpiece out of 23 words. <laughs> it's fucking mental. <laughs> Love this song. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> all right, I, I say this. This is a poppy bop to end on. And as we've discussed previously, Aaron, um, happy pop songs are the best way to end albums. Um, <laughs> Except that this leave here a stranger. But no, ahead. that's the per- that's perfect way to end that album. No, nope, not. <laughs> Um, this music is Windows Down Summer Beach Song, which we know Jason loves his beach songs, but rarely are they happy beach songs. So I'm just happy to hear a happy beach song. Um, and I relate so hard to that line. My ideas outweigh all the talent I own, of course. And it makes me wonder. We know Jason is insanely talented. Like we have a huge 30 years worth of discography to see how talented this dude is. What ideas does he have that he thinks he doesn't have the talent for? Jazz. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (coughs) This is the perfect closer on what I think is a pseudo concept album. I love it. So, Stephen, give us your thoughts. Close us out on this. Yeah, I would agree that I would, you know, it's the it's it's among the top three songs on that record. I think you know, um, I win is definitely up there, and um, uh, track two, drawing a blank. Uh, the, those three nice guy, nice guy. Yeah, I think those are the three most solid songs on the record. Um, I always loved that song. I thought it was a. I was. I remember being surprised he wanted to close the record with it. Like like you said, it is kind of a, you know, closing it with a happy kind of upbeat kind of song. And then, you know, years later, hearing it in context, like, oh, yeah, it's a really cool idea to not put that in the front half of the record. Um, and as far as that lyric, I, I don't, I think it's more like this, this struggle to, like, you, you have this this thing you hear in your head, right? And, and I'm sure that entire record was something he heard in his head and and had grand plans of how he was going to accomplish it. And but records never work that way. They they never end up the way you think they're going to end up in your head. And I think he's mm, he's kind yeah, of okay. to that, like yeah, like I you know a little bit frustrated with the fact that he can't ever quite you know 
accomplish exactly what he wants to in a theoretical kind of uh, context, but they end up kind of taking these different turns that you didn't plan on and it just becomes what it is, you know, and you learn that over time that that, that's, that's most likely going to happen. And so you kind of got to roll with it. But I think, um, yeah, not necessarily. Yeah. Like talent. He's always, he's always like self deprecating, you know, talking about how like, Oh, I, you know, how limited he, uh, capabilities he has as a guitar player he's up he, that's just a constant thing with him he's like you know i always talk about how he's such an awful singer and like you know he, he always makes jokes at his own expense you know so um i think that's also part of that concept is he's also just kind of poking fun at himself again so but yeah great track i think it's a great way to end that record and uh yeah i think you guys you, you do an excellent job really breaking down whether it's whether it's really what he intended lyrically and all that, you guys do a great job of uh, making your own interpretations. And that's, that's the coolest thing about lyrics, you know, is someone may write it meaning one thing, but it can mean something totally different to somebody else. And that's the, that's the the beautiful part of the, of music, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, So for this album, my final thoughts on it, and um, I'll give my final score in just a second, but this album is, I feel like, a thorough deconstruction of the supposedly glamorous rock star life. Um, he, Jason has talked, has his lyrics for years have dealt with how being in a band sucks, how much he hates touring. This album is the final nail in the coffin saying, hey, being a rock star is not all it's chalked up to be. Um, just like anything Adam, else in life, it Adam becomes. I'm never going to be able to buy my, my wife the things she wants to. <laughs> yeah, that too. Or feed my kids. <laughs> um, but being an artist, just like anything else in life, it can become a metaphorical island that you get trapped in. And all you're doing is grinding. Just grind, grind, grind. That blue collar life, which is a theme that this guy has had since he was friggin 17 right in the silver uh somehow he just has this deep understanding of this is life and it sucks sometimes but we're all in this together and you know as long as you're looking for your pearl your your uh, land worth buying and as long as you're trying to help other people it's okay we'll make it through and i think that makes this album ultimately even though it's kind of gloomy a hopeful album um, because of tracks like Pearl of Great Price. So, music, um, I give this album a solid, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bump it up. Originally, I gave it a 2. I'm giving it a 2.5. I love the music in this album. I really do. The lyrics, this might be the first time I've ever done this. This is the first time I've ever done this. I'm giving the lyrics a 3. What? Oh, snap. Oh, snap. Stop the presses. Okay. Like I, I usually <laughs> just I don't know. They're hitting me. Hard. This album might hit me different next month. This month it's hit me in just the right spot. Like these lyrics are getting to me. Overall, I give this a two and a half. I think this is a way underrated album. It gets a lot of fan backlash for reasons that I don't understand. I think it's an underrated gem. It is a, uh, it is a pearl out there that everyone just ignores. So. I give it a solid eight out of nine. Okay. 
I'm going to go next. And you don't have to do a rating, Steve. You just can ref. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, sorry, we should have briefed you on this. Sorry, we're, we're, we're the worst. Um, we're not nice guys. <laughs> and we'll never win because we're on our own island. <laughs> but um, I'm with you, Sam. Like, this is such, like I said before, like, I used to not like this album at all and didn't listen to it. And I think... Well, not think. I know now. It's because of those three songs. Um, Blondie, Mike the Mike, and My Island. But the rest of them, and I'm with you. If you take those other seven songs, it is a, it is a concept album about an artist realizing that I'm just doing this for the art. I'm not doing this to provide for my family. I'm not doing this to be a star. I'm not doing this to pay my bills. I'm not doing this for anything else but the sake of the art. And I know that um, what you said, Stephen, that Jason's not an avant-garde guy. He's not an art guy. He is. He knows he is. Because why else is he doing this? You know, he really is. And I think deep down he knows that. And you're right, Sam. My Island in his upstairs um, room that Stephen mentioned, I think, yeah, this is a concept album of him just reckoning with this is what I'm doing. And that's awesome. And with your insight that we've talked about between us three, this is really changing what I feel about this album. So I'm really hesitant to give a ranking because just like what you, you shared earlier, Stephen, about the um, Ryan Clark's um, album art and stuff. And so like, I'm really processing all this. So it's just because to me, like the artwork of the album is equally important as the music and everything and the lyrics and so it's really hard for me right now. Like, so what I'm going to do. Okay. So I, because in, as we were talking, like I had my rankings of the songs and as we were talking, I like changed it completely. <laughs> and so I'm just going to do this. Okay. So number 10 on, um, my, my least favorite song in this album is Mike the Mike, one star Blondie. It's all right. Blondie nine, one star, my Island, one star, eight, Seven, Lifeguard, three stars. Um, Frontman, three stars. Division, three stars. Polo Great Price, three stars. Nice Guy, three and a half stars. I Win, four stars. And Ideas for the Talented, four and a half stars. And what I'm going to give this, oh, I don't even know, man. Uh, lyrically, you're right, because these are some of the most coherent lyrics, not cryptic, that we've had at this point by far. So I'm with you, Sam, maybe two and a half. Music, it's not my favorite. It's two white stripey. One and a half. And then, like, how it holds up. Like, minus those three songs. Like, again, just like we talked about the last few albums, Last Laurel, um, Old. It's it's not really, like, married to a time period. It's just, like, music, you know? It's, it could be from any era. <sighs> Man. <laughs> I used to hate this album so much. I am not going to give... Am I really about to give My Island a seven? <laughs> I think I'm about to yes, give My Island a seven. I'm going to give it a seven. I'm going to give it a seven. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to give My Island a seven. It is. It's a seven. <laughs> oh, gosh. You know what? And before, like, when me and Sam started this album, um, this podcast, Stephen, if you were to ask me three years ago, right, Sam? Four years ago this summer. Four years? Oh, my gosh. Okay. If you would have asked me four years ago what I get my own, I would say like three, a two, two or three. I think it's a seven now. It's just those three songs. It's just those three songs. And they're not that terrible now that you've told me all these things and like my island and what that means. So 
Thank you. All right, Stephen, your thoughts on this? <laughs> well, I can't. Uh, I can't compete with your guys' uh, theorizing about concepts and stuff like that. Uh, you guys are you're, you're you're too good at that. But obviously, I mean, this was the first record I played on with him, so I'm partial to it, and I have a lot of nostalgia attached to that record. It's also the year I got married, so like it was kind of a big year in my life, and like there if I hear that record, it kind of, you know, like music does, it brings me back to that time. So like, I like it for, for those reasons a lot, which obviously are completely different than most people's, but um, it was just really a special thing for me to play on that first Starflyer record for me. So like, it's hard for me to really have an unbiased view of it, to be honest with you. I'm not saying it's the greatest record he's ever made or the greatest record we've made since, but there's just, it's a moment in time for me personally. And uh, that'll always be the case. Um, like you said, well, I can't. I'll, Go ahead. A lot of people think it's his greatest, so you're not alone if you want to think that, but go ahead, continue. <laughs> oh, there are, there are people. Yeah, that, that, yeah, oh, yeah. I, oh, I thought it was kind of uh, the, the, oh. the black sheep of the catalog. For some people, but yeah, a lot of people love it. They think this is the best, yeah. Okay, okay. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think, you know, it's a solid record. I mean, I, I one thing Jason isn't, he's... he's he's always consistent as far as even if he's doing something a little outside of the box like there's always really redeemable things to every record he's done even when he's trying something new so um yeah i obviously i'm not going to rate it but yeah it's uh it's a special record for me and i was i was really i don't think i've done that much bass playing on any record i've ever been a part of <laughs> like this, this is the most the most bass active bass part every song has something kind of crazy going on so that was really fun for me personally so but the bass sets that moody tone to the album that really like makes it good because if he, i know he went to go fast and he did obviously but if it didn't have that moodiness it it it, it, it could have easily turned into some freaking pop punk offspring nonsense or something which i like the offspring <laughs> which i like the offspring i'm sorry but you know what i'm saying sure. but that mood that moodiness really was very essential to this album yeah yeah i'm with you but yeah that's all i got for you guys for that one <laughs> well no it's it's been amazing thank you for spending your night with us steven we have had a blast i have I've had so much fun talking about this album. Um, it's been a minute since we've taken a deep dive on an album, and I just have had a blast talking about it. Yeah, cool. and I think I'm going to get this White Lighter album now, and I don't have it. Ah, it might be hard to find, but I'm sure it's somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Everything somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, but, hey, but yeah, we really do appreciate me. it. Thank you so much. Oh, You've been awesome. very generous with your time. All right, guys. It's great meeting you. Thanks for having me. Hopefully, we can yep. have you again for a later one because you got like what six more, five more albums you're on, something like that. Uh, Probably something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully, we can do that. So we can grab um, you for yeah. a later one, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you so much. You have a good night, Stephen. Right, you too, guys. Thanks. And as always, guys, my name is Samuel. I'm Aaron. And this has been a Brothers King Media production.